Yo, what's up? Uh, welcome to the first episode of Four in the Morning. So uh, I'm excited that y'all get a chance to start this journey with me. Uh, John O, one more time for those of y'all that may have just stumbled on this. Shout out to all the people that actually got up at Wednesday at four in the morning to listen to it. Why don't you jump on IG or Twitter or something right now and uh, just shout me out. I'm already up doing something unproductive uh, in my office. So uh yeah let me just start off and say first i intentionally haven't listened to many first episodes of podcasts because i didn't want to feel um constrained to fit into any boxes one of the things that i've learned about communication through the years is uh as long as you get your point across there aren't really any rules so i didn't want to feel the need to abide by certain rules so if i break any unwritten rules uh, don't blast me shoot me a DM or something and just let me know that hey John you're not supposed to do it like that um, and if I think it's helpful then I'll engage if not then I'll ignore you and just act like I didn't get it um, yeah also too I mean I can't move on without shouting out all the people who already gave ratings uh, for the podcast before I even did my first one uh, I feel like I haven't really done anything yet so it's good to know that with your help uh, you'll be able to offset all the people who actually listen to the first one and I fail to meet their expectations and they give me the bad Yelp reviews. Uh, I made a couple people mad this past week. So uh, maybe y'all's goodwill will help offset things. Um, or maybe y'all didn't sign up. It's very likely that my mom just got 18 of her friends to go and give me a five star rating. Uh, in which case it really wouldn't surprise me. So. If that was you, mom, thanks, mom. Appreciate you, all the love and support. Uh, shout out to my mom. All right, before we get started in the convo that we have uh, for the day, uh, uh, we're gonna talk to one of my good friends, Joseph Solomon. Um, but before we get there, I just wanna let you know how we got here. So I just wanna share briefly how I got here to getting up every day at four in the morning. And after getting here, uh, why I decided to stay here. So it was November of 2018. Uh, my first book just came out a few months prior. My daughter was one and a half. My wife and I just celebrated 11 years of marriage. Uh, the church was growing, was trying to get done with the doctoral program. Life was good, but I was overwhelmed. Uh, as long as I can remember in my adult life, I'd get up at like 5.30 a.m. I'd you know, try to go to the gym, work out, come home. Uh, but then in this season of life, I would come home, I would be with my daughter for a bit. I'd go to work at nine, I'd come back at five. I'd be with my daughter and my wife. We'd eat dinner, we'd put her to bed. I'd try to hang out with my wife, but I'm terrible at nighttime. So I'd be asleep by 10 o'clock and I realized um, that everybody in my life was getting the worst of me, um, especially me. And more than that, I felt like I really didn't have any time for myself. Uh, so over Thanksgiving break, November 2018, the weirdest thing happened. I started getting up at 4 a.m. I just woke up and I couldn't get back to sleep. So I went in my study, I got to work, I was productive. But then as time went on, I started to find out uh, more than four in the morning, just being a time for me to get a lot of work done. It was actually the most restful and peaceful time of my day. Uh, four in the morning is this weird time where uh, it's too late for the night owls and it's too early for the early birds. So you have this odd reality uh, that I found out. I never felt so rested and refreshed until I started waking up at four in the morning. And I know it sounds weird, but ask anybody that gets up at four in the morning, and I guarantee you they'll likely tell you the same thing. It's just this, this one time in the day where you just feel like you're at peace. Um, and I started there and I haven't looked back once. So that's how I got here. I got here on accident, but here's why I decided to stay. And in order to understand why I decided to stay, I think you have to understand both the celebration uh, and the calamity that was Juneteenth. All right, so June 18th, 1865, 155 years ago, 
Um, on June 18th, it was Juneteenth Eve. Uh, but nobody that looked like me in my home country of Texas was celebrating. Why? Because their circumstances told them that they were slaves. Black men and women were in chains. And they felt like there was nothing to celebrate, but the truth is there was something to celebrate. There had been celebrations that went on for two and a half years. And on Juneteenth, they finally got the news and they realized that they were two and a half years late to a party that already started. It was a group of people who found themselves living in darkness when they didn't have to be all because they were forced to wait on some announcement to uh, proclaim the freedom that they should have been enjoying. Hearing that story, I'm grateful for the fact that they experienced freedom, but it also puts this sense of defiance inside of me that says, um, I'm never gonna be late to another party celebrating freedom and liberty and hope because I'm never going to wait on anybody to make an announcement before I live that way. That's what four in the morning is for me. It's just this reality, this declaration of hopeful defiance that even though my surroundings look dark, um, I'm not going to let the state of my soul be determined by the state of my surroundings. And that's what I hope will be transferred, uh, to you. Toni Morrison, my favorite author, um, in her last collection of essays before she died, she has this one part where she talks about, uh, I don't want to be reasonable. And hear what she says. She says this, our past is bleak. Our future is dim, but I am not reasonable. A reasonable man adjusts to his environment. An unreasonable man does not. All progress, therefore, depends on the unreasonable man. Um, and that struck a chord with me because as we think about 2020 and just what this year has been, uh, the world has changed. But as I sit back and I think about 2020, I realize it's not just the world that's changed. I've changed in this episode, this conversation that I'm going to have with my good friend, uh, Joseph is all about embracing that change and the beginning of refusing to let the surrounding environment dictate the hope that we have. So I just want to over prepare you because this is the first one. Uh, it's going to be longer than normal. I felt like if I ever had the liberty to go for an hour, it would be the first one because y'all would forgive me because I haven't done this before. And you can DM me and say, yo, John, that's against the rules. Other episodes that we do may be half this length. Uh, but if I can get away uh, with that, I really want to take full advantage of it today. So the first 20 minutes or so, we're really going to be a deep dive into the darkness that is 2020. And I asked that you wouldn't hit the snooze button, right? Uh, take some time, uh, journey with me into the darkness so that we can come out and find hope on the other side. So as I thought about trying to have this convo, um, the first person that I thought of was Joseph Solomon. Um, over the course of the past few years, he's come to be one of my closest friends. And one of the things that I've learned in my life is that uh, there's no way I am who I am without my friends. Uh, and I'm grateful for his inspiration and his push. He's the reason why I even took the leap to start to do this. Uh, even now, I mean, I can hear his voice in the back of my head. Like the fruition uh, of, of this, man, to be it's an honor to be part of it. It's an honor and also an expectation, man, because you was the first guest on my podcast. And so I feel like it only makes sense. I feel, I feel some kind of way if you hit me up to be the third. Yo, uh, that's one of the things that I love about Joe. Uh, for me, he's just the epitome of honesty and hope. Um, and Joe is like uh, some of my other friends. I've got this like core group of friends where it's not just that they're excellent at the one thing that they do, 
but everything that they do, they do incredibly um, well. And so I've seen that in Joe. If you want to hear more from Joe, especially after this convo, you can find them on social media, IG, Twitter, what is Joe doing? You can check out more from him um, on his own podcast, Flights and Feelings, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you can tune on in. So without further ado, uh, here's the convo that we have. Uh, I hope you enjoy and I hope it's helpful. Oh, something's different, right? Mm. But this really feels like, I don't know what it is. And I mean, and I want to chat about that some, but 2020 feels different. Yeah. There's years that we're going to look back on and say, yo, this year stands out for me, right? 2015 may be forgettable for a bunch of other people, but 2015 was the year that my brother died. And that year forever in my life will be like, man, that was a hard, it was different. Uh, my daughter was born 2017, right? Um, the same week that he died, 2015. And it's like, that's a thing where it's like, man, those years are etched in my head. But man, everybody kind of has those years. Like those years may not mean anything to you, but you have those years. But this kind of feel like 2020 feels like a, our generation, 10 years from now. Folks are going to look back and say, 2020, and that's all you're going to have to say. We'll all have a language that reverts back to this when the word quarantine pops up, COVID, like those, these little keywords, shutdown, lockdown, um, whatever it may be. I mean, even like, even the idea of what's happening with our presidency right now, like that on top of, on top of 2020. So it's like, yeah, like I, I literally was thinking about that the other day, like, 10 years from now, we're going to, like, everyone's going to be in on this as it almost like um, generations before us who had their, you know, their wars or right. their Rodney Kings or yeah. uh, their Kennedy being shot right. type thing. Like, you imagine, like, we hear about Kennedy being shot now. We we're so detached from that. We don't understand, like, just how much that shook uh, nation the or the like world the world that, that a that a president a sitting president was assassinated yeah. and and just imagine how odd that felt the yeah. next day and i felt like or even 9 yeah. 11 you know that was another sort of water i i, I think 2020 is the first time yeah. for me that i can think off the top of my head at least I, I guess if i thought more but i just knee jerk is like 9 11 was the last time that we as a as a large group of people were like, oh no, I do you remember where you were right. on 9-11? Now there's yeah. this other like, do you remember where you were when COVID-19, right. when you realized that this was a thing? Yeah. Or do you remember where you were when the George Floyd protests right. began yeah. and the riots were happening? Do you remember that that's this yeah. again for our country, for our, our world? Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? Why is it different is it the combination of things is it not just the combination but the order right is it the first second third and that arrangement is kind of like this combination lock where it's not all right these few things in succession lead to a place where it's like oh this is different yeah i think they are they they definitely are in combination. Right. Like they they sort of they have their own flavors of their own, but then brought together as something like, oh, what is this? Right. And I think that my I've been I've kind of been saying this, and other people have been saying it too. It's not such a novel idea, but the fact that the world had to sit down mm. together. Yeah. We all just was like. So weird. Literally, everyone was in our homes, which I don't understand. This this is this even more frustrating when I find out that the UPS people say undeliverable because he wasn't home. I was like, dude, Fam. all I have been <laughs> is home. Right, right. <laughs> don't tell me I wasn't home in April, dog. Right. I was. Uh, trust me, I was there. Do right. not lie. Right. And say I wasn't there. Right. We were all collectively home. Yeah. Um, we were all collect. We've all been collectively on social media for a long time now. But 
more pointedly, yeah. we were all collectively on social media. And it was almost as this sort of uh, lead up to like this sort of fireside chat where everyone says, all right, everyone shh, be quiet. Hey, hey world, hey earth, be quiet. There's about to be a murder mm. that shakes right. the country and the world. And, you, right. and you're gonna you're gonna pay attention. Yeah. And I think that um that cannot be uh I mean think about like Ahmad Arbery, like that happened pre the actual event of Ahmad Arbery being murdered happened pre COVID. Yeah. But then COVID hits and we're like, we have time now. Black people and people who have been concerned about this have had time for a long time, but right. we've also had a lot of other things going. But I think it was a different uh, scenario when everyone had time because nothing we and 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 even the timing within COVID because right. had it happened when COVID first started, right. I think George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, even that would have got lost in the sauce of like, right. yo, there's a global pandemic. Oh, right. and by the way, this yeah. black woman was uh, murdered in her sleep. Right. And it would have got some buzz and then the COVID would have took over. But the fact that we had been in COVID, we're still quiet sitting down. And, but by that point, by the time these stories were coming out, we were used to COVID. Right. This was our new normal. Yeah. And we were kind of over the idea, like as serious as a pandemic is, we were just like, yeah, you know, memes had already come out and it was like, all right, we've gotten We're used, used to it. it. So what's the next big thing? Right. Ahmaud Arbery, yeah. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. And it's like the timing of that, that right. the fact that all this sort of came out about a, what, like a month or two into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two months into it. By, yeah. by that point, we, we've we already been sort of numb to COVID news. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it kind of reminds me of uh, Walking Dead, right? Remember like the first season mm -hmm. was all about this the um zombies and the virus and oh, everybody was example, united yeah. and it's like yo we we gotta beat it and then they finally figured it out in a sense and like things were dark but then the subsequent seasons was like oh wait a minute the zombies are easy it's the other people that are the problem and that's what it kind of feels like, man. I think of like, just not even like just the videos, but the videos that we saw, right? So I think it's one thing for Eric Gardner to say, I can't breathe as he wrestles with three cops. Mm -hmm. I think it was another thing for like George Floyd to say, I can't breathe is he's not even fighting back. Mm. And it's one cop nonchalantly with his hand in his pockets that like the other three stood around and watched, but it was like a, you've got this guy on the ground dying and he's not fighting back. And you have this guy with his eyes half closed hand in his pocket knowing people are filming him with just this smug look on his face like he's trying to think of what he's gonna have for dinner and you just see like oh COVID ain't the problem there's a vaccine that we can get for that it's nah like people are wicked and there are some powerful people that are wicked and I think that's the first time that a lot of people really like understood oh yeah like people can be a problem um yeah. Man, and to be honest, yo, like these whole, like something's different, like it's messed with me. Like, you know, I wouldn't say I'm depressed, but I feel emotionally taxed that the last time that I felt this way was uh, 2015 when my brother died. And it was like, just that feeling of like, yeah, deep sadness and and hopelessness and like something has to change but I feel powerless but I still feel passionate and just yeah. just a deep emotionally confusing time yeah yeah I feel the same way bro I 
um, two weeks into COVID, um, I moved into a new home. Right. And it was sort of this bittersweet time where, you know, super excited. It's my first home I ever bought and this new space and uh, just all the possibilities that it could be. And, um, you know, but at the same time, not being able to invite people over whatever, but I was just in a good space. And usually when a lot of heavy news around the world comes out, um, for good or bad, I'm able to be a bit more level-headed. It doesn't weigh on me as emotionally. It weighs on me intellectually and I'm more contemplative and so forth. And this time though, was different as it was different for the world it was different for me as well and i was trying to pinpoint you know i, I had a routine going on and i yep. at my house and creativity i mean just like you couldn't stop me from creating like i, right. I literally had to tell myself joe it's okay to play video games for right. a couple hours right. a day because you're working from 8 a.m to yeah. 8 p.m like it's it's cool right like, break and you know veg out at night or whatever and so but then i started noticing um yeah I didn't realize that I had a kind of more hindsight look like, man, all these stories coming out are really weighing on me. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with that. And I, I felt the same way as you, like where you, you, what's different now is, is this, I think for a lot of people is that when we heard of Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice or Mike Brown. There was sort of this resurgence of like, we need to do something. We need right. to do something. Yeah. And people kind of feeling a lot of hope about things can be changed. I mean, we even started, yeah, we started protesting again and so forth. And then this time around, it felt a bit weighty in the sense of like um we we felt like we've done a lot and nothing has changed and i think you can kind of like a lot of people are feeling a lot of passion and not a lot of power and i think Mm. that's where you get a lot of the the riots and stuff like that like the wind you know where uh richard Brooks was murdered is right around the right corner, the corner for me. And I've been past, I have to pass that exit every morning when right. I go to the gym or something like that. And they still, bro, I saw like a, like a cop on the highway, like with like sniper, like yeah. gear, like just overlooking the Wendy's. Yeah. It's still packed. Yeah. It's, it's still people are like Juneteenth. There was fireworks stuff. They, they, I mean, it was, it was a lot, man. Like, yeah. and so when people feel powerless as far as peaceful um conversation and pleading and so forth and i'm not trying by any means to justify um every single action that people have taken in 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 response to these murders but i am saying i think to some degree they're trying to find a release that a lot of us um have not found that release. Like right. you, you have this passion bubbling up inside of you. And it's like, well, I feel powerless against the mm. powers that be. Yeah. And so, oh, I know what I can do. I can go and burn something down. Right. I, can, I can yell, I can go cuss out these cops or whatever. I was part of some protests that were doing, saying, just yell, just yell at the cops and cuss and believe them. Like, I gotta do something to release this passion because I feel powerless. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, it kind of, you know, I think the thing that was that's just hard to embrace is it's like uh you know, I think at least for our generation, it's like our social consciousness and awareness is kind of like pre and post Trayvon, right? Mm. That Trayvon Martin, his death in twenty twelve was I think one of the ones that was like for our generation at least that was like all right that was the time where like things changed yeah. and we said something's different um yeah and i think starting back then uh obama was in his uh 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 
in back-to-back terms and we started to talk and you've had a whole lot of people like us, like, or, or people from our generation, like change what they do. And, and, and it kind of felt like that this like new day was starting to dawn. All right. Justice is starting to move in. All right. The morning's getting ready to come. But then, yeah, the first half of 2020 has just been like, back to school. You say this one. Yeah. It's pitch black. You say that it is morning and it is a new day, but it is pitch black. It doesn't feel like it. And it's easy to just yeah, feel consumed by the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. How has this season of introspection combined with just the travesties that we talked through, how has that made you think about reorienting your your life? Yeah, um, a couple of different ways. One is like my reconsidering my voice because I feel like yeah. everyone has a a voice for good or for good or right. for bad. Right. Everybody has a voice yeah. online now, and you can kind of feel sort of backed into your room when you see that everyone out there has a voice. They're saying a bunch of different things and there are a lot more articulate and smarter voices out there than me. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to say in all of this? You feel like you have to be one of the people who have been like diehard activists since you know, since Brenda had a baby, right, right, <laughs> you know right, what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, <laughs> and if you weren't in it on then, then it's like, what is your, what is your voice? Um, and especially with someone who has a bit of a following online, understanding how quick people are to like, just check you hard, which again, for good or bad, like, right. and you keep questioning yourself. And so I, have been considering like what what is my voice in this space how have i been prepared up right. to this point because we all have to some degree i've learned that through different uh it's kind of like when you're applying for a new job and you know you're trying to get someone to help you make your resume right and it's like i have no qualification for this job whatsoever and, it's, uh, and somebody yeah. making your resume is like no 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 fam so you said you you sold cupcakes, right? right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've sold cupcakes. I helped somebody do this. Oh, so you ran a business? You got a, you <laughs> right, know, right, right, right. And you know, so you understood how to how manage inventory. Then, yeah, you right. know what I'm saying? And you did customer service. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> right. I guess I do have some skills that do translate. Right. Yeah. And and to be honest, it sounds like that person is low key, like, you know, trying to lie about what you did. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. I actually have been doing customer service. I've been under, like, for instance, like when I was trying to get a customer service job, I had already worked at a, you know, a summer camp. Right. You know, with kids and with parents and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you are doing, a sense, understanding how to um, relate with people uh, in the public sphere and how to, you know, please people, how to understand them, how to read people. Right. And, you know, and to be kind to people in a, in a business space. And so I, I say that as an example of like, all the things that you've been in right now, you may not have been exactly in this space, but there have been a lot of things that you've experienced. If right. you just sit down, maybe you need somebody else to sit down with you and go over call your, it out your you. work experience. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? And say, you know, I do have work experience. Even if it was volunteer, right. I did it. You yeah. know, and it is a skill that I've developed. And man, I think that I, I have been prepared for this. And it's just that right now it's an introspective time of like, all right, Joe, Right. How have you been prepared? How you, how can you continue to prepare and how you continue to equip yourself? Yeah. But knowing that like you have been born right. in this moment right mm. now and, and, and however long it took you to come to the space that you're in right now, you're here now. You're here. So what are you going to do? Because you're not going to be here forever. Right. So. Yeah. Nor is this going to so nor is this going to last forever. Right. So I do think there is an aspect where we can look up and say something's different. It seems like the collective conscience of a lot of people are awakened. Yeah, I was with Mike on my front porch yesterday and Mike's like, man, one thought that I had was that window's gonna close soon, right? Like 
there's nothing about things being different that means that the way that people are right now, that they're going to feel that way come October. Mm. So it's not even like, like, I do think we need to live in this town with a sense of urgency, like. I've been, you know, I'm saying a little bit insecure and what my temptation has been, has been to like, to go back and like rewrite my story, my history and be like, nah, no, nah, no, nah. like I had like things have changed. Yeah. But I have been about this stuff. Like, <laughs> nah, I mean, I moved to the West End at this time and I did and just this temptation and I realized like one the internet is a real thing. Like everything I've ever done for the past 12 years yeah. is on there. So it's like, nah, people can pull your card really quick. And two, I think, man, I've seen just how our culture puts the pressure on people to be supermen. And I've seen so many people that I know and love in a sense rewrite their history Bro. to prove that they've been down. It's like the transfer kid at right. school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like the dude that shows up and everybody at his last school, you know, his name was Anthony, but here he's Tony. Tony. Right? <laughs> right? And he's cool. He can rewrite his entire until until there's a transfer for, from him school that from shows up. From your last up, school and it's and like, like Anthony. Anthony. Weren't you the Man, this man about to mess up my whole fam? <laughs> nah, bro, you wasn't gangster back then. Like you <laughs> try to act like you was gangster. Like you, 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 you had you were able to re rewrite your whole story. Yeah, and then someone pulls the receipts and like, nah, I know Anthony from over right. on. <laughs> man, and it's just it, it's just freeing to say like, no, no, and I think that comes from somebody thinks like in order to be this person that I want to be. I have to do the work to convince everybody that I've always been that person mm. instead of the freedom that comes and just says, no, I haven't always been that person, yeah. but I want to be right. Like, um, man, I think what these past few months have kind of shown me is like, if my life was a word document, I felt like it was a word document with one inch margins. Right. Mm. And in the one inch margins, uh, er. So it was like, all right, for the past five years, I'm going to do all that I can to make sure that my life is about bettering the lives of other people, right? Advancing justice, working for equity and all of that stuff. However, uh, I had one inch margins. And so I was free to use that time to be marginally involved with this group and with that group and to speak here and to enjoy. And I just felt like I had this spare time to be able to use for myself. Um, I think experiencing the deepness and the darkness of the racial injustices that our country faces, that it has never faced in a sense, mm -hmm. has reminded me like, nah, John, like you don't have any margin. Yeah. And so it's forced me to go back and to have conversations with you know, partnerships, affiliations, mm. denominations, yeah. friendships, and just to say, hey, my whole life has to be about this work. And I know that it's a detour from what you've experienced of me, but I need you to take that as, as growth and narrowing my sphere of influence and focus more so than me being caught up in the winds of whatever and just starting to change it up, man. And I found like, it's just freeing not to have to be impressive or not to have to like go back and rewrite your, your origin story, but just to say, nah, there was a turning point and this was it yeah. and I'm gonna own it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, you're able to grow more authentically and organically when you don't try to recreate the origins right and you're able to celebrate those moments of clarity yeah uh i think of an example the, the way i learned how to swim yeah. was um ah lucky you could you break in stereotypes <laughs> yeah man that's 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 the way i protest i go to the pool uh, 
Man. And the way, but the way I learned how to swim was through pride. Yeah. And there was a guy, ironically named Tony, uh, <laughs> who was like an upperclassman guy. Yeah. Uh, when I, I mean, yeah, I think I was in junior high. I was like, I, I learned how to swim when I was like fourteen, uh. and he was like one grade ahead of me or something like that. He was really good at basketball. You know, those guys right. that you saw one or two grades above you, like, man, yo, that's Tony. Like, that's you know, Tony. those were your original ce- right. you know, celebrities, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And um, I remember we were at this, like, we were at this pool or whatever, and I always just kind of wade in the three foot and kind of act like I know how to swim and just kind of walk around while moving my arms type Fam. thing. And um, To this day. <laughs> yeah. So he he challenged me to a, a race. Ah. And... Mm. And Here I didn't in the deep end, just regular. I think okay. it was like five foot, but okay. still, like at the time, right. you know, I think I was like five. I was tall for my uh, age, but still, it was like five eight. It's, that's right. the deep end. Five yeah. foot is the deep end, right. right? Right. And so he challenges me to a race, and I didn't have the nerve to tell him I've never been here before. Mm. I, I I don't I don't know what this is like. Yeah. Um. I can't do this. Yeah. And I need someone to teach me. I'm still trying to learn. Right. And so. Mm. Thankfully, though, in that moment, when we get to race, I got it. I got it. A light switch hit. Somehow, I got it, and I swam. And and of course, he beat me. Uh, he smoked you, probably. He smoked yeah, me. Right. But in that moment, I was like, I, I just swam, Damn. and I couldn't even celebrate. I just like, oh yeah, you beat me, man. I couldn't even celebrate that moment. I couldn't take that moment for what it really was right. because I had been acting like I had been so far along oh, to begin with. That's good. And so, you know, and I've learned that so many times in my life through finances or through your spiritual walk or yeah. wherever space you may be, you're never able to truly celebrate and see the moment for what it really is and mm. that growth that it really is because you've always act, you act like you were already there to begin with. Right. And if you're acting like you were there to begin with, then everything's a disappointment. Yeah, man. Which is a terrible way to live. Yeah, man. Especially in in the terrible times that we already live. Yeah, man. It feels like um, if we like if if we're mad at um America for whitewashing uh Dr. King, mm. um, I think what we've unintentionally done is we've painted him like a Superman, and yeah. we haven't like dug into his origin story yeah, yeah. Uh, a few years ago this guy um i started to read this trilogy on the civil rights movement by this guy taylor branch mm. and i read his origin story uh mlk and i was shocked so it's like i always thought that his origin story was like superman right like yeah you know he comes in you, you know you know at four years old he's overthrowing born for this jungle gyms of injustice yeah but it wasn't like he was a middle class dude whose parents did well he was educated gifted pursuing college a doctorate getting ready to pastor negotiated the salary with his church and they would let him go to school and he was just living his life yo using all of his powers in a sense just to man carve out a good life so it's like his origin story is more like spider-man right like peter parker had all these great gifts and he was making money until his uncle ben got killed and then when it hit close to home then he changed and and it was like man seeing dr king in that light just kind of gave me permission and just i just felt like yo 2020 has been different it's it has changed me i'll never be the same but there has been like a even in the midst of this deep darkness that we feel there's been a a resolve to no no, i'm gonna get out of bed i think i'm gonna get out of bed and make my life's aim to push back these issues of injustice that plague our country that stand in the way of not just the advancement of a people group but just paint such a flawed picture of even right my faith like there's an enemy of 
it just just my faith what i've already given my life to that i think is is like disproportionately affected by these issues of racial injustice that christianity hasn't just historically sat by and watched but has participated in and really helped to move the ball forward and so it's just saying no like there is clarity about what my life is for and why god made me um as a result of being in this deep darkness yeah yeah If Dr. King lived today in the Twitter age, uh, I think he probably would have been shamed out of, uh, uh, shamed out of uh, his work for justice before he even started. Yeah. I think he would have started to speak and people would have been like, who is this? The man is about time, like. Yeah. So there's an aspect of like, man, like, who are the people I think that if you had to apologize to <laughs> that you would look back and say, dang, they've been on it this whole time. Yeah. And they were just content to do the work and they didn't aim for big platforms, but they were just people that did the work that now in hindsight, what, they, what they've done yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of people like that um who are you know we almost sort of in a derogatory way a derogatory way label them as pro-black right know? so you know you're so pro-black yada and it was it kind of becomes this sort of ongoing joke we see it even like in i think of caricatures of that like in um don't be a menace to south central like <laughs> right. in the hood and there's right. this guy who's always like he's got a dashiki on like um, and, we've, and we've sort of created these car- caricatures of people who have been so conscious to the yeah. point that they are uh, not useful right. to us. They mm. are they are uh, jesters yeah. of the neighborhood because they're so concerned about the equality and justice and, and uprising right. uh, of black people. And fast forward some years and everybody sounds like that guy. I know. <laughs> everybody sounds like that guy. You know, in my in my city, I don't remember his name. I was supposed to Google this and try to look him up. I still don't know his name. I don't I don't remember the name of his store. And maybe maybe I'll ask him. I need to ask that on my Facebook. Like, y'all remember the guy who said this? (laughs) There was a guy who had a he got a TV ad out every every week. Every I don't know. I just saw it all the time. It was an ongoing joke. We knew this guy who said to whom you give your money is to whom you give your power. To whom yeah. you give your money is to whom you give your power. And it became this sort of ongoing joke at school and we knew who this guy was. He 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 owned like a sort of like uh, yeah, a black store that sh- sold African statues and stuff like that stuff to put around your home and dashikis and incense and 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 black authored books and right. black soap and whatever maybe yeah. kente cloths all that you you know you know that guy pepper, that store black pepper yeah, yeah, yeah everything <laughs> black you know what i'm saying sells only black key pianos black keys you know what i'm saying um but now in hindsight it's like yo that dude was was dropping knowledge oh, in a very simple way for a long time and now everyone is on that tip of like yo we've got to keep the black dollar within the black community right, we can't right right because to, to whom you give your money it's, it's to whom you give your, your power. power. Mm. And so like everybody's on that now, but for a while it was a caricature. And I think I could go down the list of people, you know, that's just sort of one of the glaring uh, examples of people who have been, who almost were seen as these sort of crazy shamans. Right. Um, who have been beating this drum for a long time. Yeah. And we've been, to some degree, I will say, I, I mean, black people, at least me, right. I've been on it too. Like we've right. known about the injustices of, around Absolutely. black people, but we just, we didn't feel that it was, a, a large group of us didn't feel that it was worth so much of our energy. Yeah, everything that we have. Like yeah. we're like, nah, I'll, I'll budget and it'll be the main part of my budget. But it's like, we're like, nah, this is the kind of thing where it's like, 
I think you got to empty your savings account. Yeah. 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 Man, isn't that crazy that you don't even remember his name? Yeah. And I just think like, yeah, man, I, I just think like it's those it's it's those people that like build things, right? It's like, you know, revolutions, people tend to think like not like th the event of the revolution was the most important thing, but it's actually not the person that like took the cap off of the thing and has the cap in their hands. Yeah. It's the no name folks that for years just worked and grind to like loosen that cap. Um, yeah. Man, and I just, yeah. Personally, for me, I mean, and I don't even know if anybody is listening to this that was in the category of those that have been beating this drum for years, man, but it's just that concept of like, like I have no misgivings about the wisdom and the control of God, right? In terms like God like chose when we would live, when he would place us when we lived. And I think like, I don't assume that if the roles were reversed, I personally would have had the fortitude to do that kind of work with that little actual result right or even not even just results but just acknowledgement acknowledgement <laughs> like people wouldn't even like give me the time of the day but it's like but i do feel like yeah god was just wise in the people that he created that came before us that just had that fortitude man and i just like i've just sat back and it's like you know i'm I'm absolutely grateful for everybody that is at the forefront of this movement right now, right? So yeah. as far as I know and can say, there is not a hint or tinge of jealousy or envy. I've been reinvigorated just to praise God for the work that he does and all of these folks, man. But I just think I'm especially grateful for like all the people that were content to be unimpressive, that they were just yeah. so... I think that's going to be all of our lots, though, and I think that we have to uh, <laughs> settle. We in have on. to settle in on that as people who who want to see this as a as a collective effort yeah. that's going to be passed down to generations after us. The vast, vast majority of us, even those with verified Instagram accounts and and however many followers on Twitter, whatever whatever it may be, the vast majority of us will not make it to history books. Will not be seen. Um, as local heroes mm. in the little things that we did on a daily basis. And that has been the narrative of um, the struggle for forever. Right. You know, the the people who were part of the original civil rights movement, we hear about names like Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King, but we don't hear about, it wasn't Malcolm X and Martin Luther King that, that made all of right, this right. possible. They were the most articulate, the most charismatic speakers. Right. And, you know, they were they were good for being the spear. Yeah. But like this, what what good is it? And uh, you know, the tip of a spear if there's no you know stick to actually launch that thing right. with. And I think that um, the ideas that were presented by um, great leaders were often. Um, fortified by the people behind them that were mm. doing the the super basic work like i look at when i go back and look at uh i remember i was looking at like old uh flyers for marches yeah. in, the, in the 50s and 60s right. and how organized it was right and and how i mean the the, the million man march the, the 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 um the organization that had to go around that right. and it's like well somebody had to type that somebody had to make that somebody had to know how to make right you know, flyers and stuff like that. Like, and, and not on the word processor. Like, <laughs> it's on, like, if I'm you saying. mess up, right, you got to start over. And then not just the person who makes the, the flyer, but also the person who actually is doing the organization of the buses, the right. bus routes, and who's going to drop off where, and how are we going to get, we need, we need uh, toilets uh, over here, porta potties and stuff like that. Like, how do we coordinate all that? Right. Those people will never know their names. Right. 
uh, and maybe their families won't even know their names. Like no one's gonna be like, yeah. So my dad was the one that coordinated the uh, the porta potties. My great grandpa <laughs> made sure the yeah. toilet paper was stocked. Like nobody's gonna know right. that. And I think that we're all gonna be, for the most part, gonna be porta potty organizers, mm. where we just we are, and you have to be content with that. Like right. I just want to do the work to make sure that that. Um, that there is change right. and I may not be the person and I think that's going to be hard for a lot of us because unlike the generations before us more of us have the opportunity to be heard right. so it gives us the illusion uh, and the hope that right. maybe I don't need to be just an organizer mm. or you know someone who makes a flyer I can be the person on the flyer right 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 and, right and that hope is always there. And, and so you can get to peddling justice and so forth. And like you said, you don't see any hints of it on the on the surface or whatever it may be. But I, I know that, man, humans are humans. And like there's going to be this struggle for wanting to be seen. I think we have to fight against that and understanding that like the vast majority of us are going to have very unimpressive but very needed roles right. in this whole yeah. shebang. Man, and it's just, yeah, like, it's just all of us just have to contribute to the building and it's uh yeah building is just slow and unimpressive work mm -hmm. um andy crouch in his book culture making talks about revivals and revolutions and he said the thing that both of them have in common is that it's not the landmark events that we write about that made them, it's it's just a bunch of the small things that come before them. What he says is this, um, the bigger the change we hope for, the longer we've got to be willing to invest, work, and wait for it. Nothing that matters, no matter how sudden, does not have a long history and take part in a long future. And he's like, yo, like the longer that you work for something, the more likely it has to endure. Yeah. Uh, the only quick change that you can bring is destruction. Yeah. He said, man, Rome wasn't built in a day. The only thing that you could do with Rome in a day is burn it. Um, yeah. And I think it, there's lots of that that's starting to go on now that I don't think we saw in the generation before us that was used to that concept of like, oh, no, 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 no. Like the generation before us was, oh, no, like um, I saw my mom and my dad build their home, right? So yeah. they didn't buy their home, they built it. And then when it was bombed and burned down, uh, they rebuilt their home. So like things take time and I just think, Man, if we're able to grasp that, that truth seems like it would make it easier or more palatable to be content with, yeah. yo, I'm actually just the one that's putting up the the wood sticks to make sure that the foundation's laid straight. And if I do that, right, or I'm just the one that's trying to plant this acorn. And if I do that, then maybe my kids will sit in the shade of the oak tree, but I don't have to sit in the shade of the oak tree that I plant in order to feel like I've done meaningful work. Yeah. 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 So what would you say to the person, Joe, that is like, I I get it. I'm not going to be insecure about the fact that I haven't been what I should have been. I'm getting ready to jump in, but I just feel like man, it's like it's it's late, right? The folks going to be mad because I'm because I've waited so long. Yeah. Um that in and of itself is is a self-serving notion that the main concern might be that be your image, right. you know, and not the image bearers mm. who are being affected by 
inequality and injustice and so forth. Right. And so this is why I tell people I try to, and maybe it's not may not be a popular uh, notion. I try to. I've I've been telling white people who are close to me. I said, man, we don't need your white guilt. We need your white conviction. Right. Right. Because even guilt is is self serving. Because now you're going to look for some type of works based way to absolve yourself mm. of that guilt, to absolve yourself of the past that you are now ashamed of right uh whether it was a pa aggressive or a passive pa uh, past you're ashamed of it and now you need someone to absolve you of that guilt right and so guilt always looks backwards versus conviction always looks forward mm. uh, what what should i do moving forward what what can i do moving forward and that's what's going to be most necessary now i'm not saying there's not a time where you should sit your behind down and just listen and read Learn. um that's yeah that's yeah. part of the whole conviction part as well and i say this to black people as well too because black people can also feel I mean, there's a black guilt as well like, right where have i been this whole time mm. and i said black black people as well like you we need your black conviction right not your black guilt uh or not you try or, or not like your black like vindication trying to prove yeah. nah yo, yo i'm black enough yeah. yeah, 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 and mm. even that sort of stems from a, a guilt. Right, the fact that you have to say it right. makes you feel like maybe I'm maybe something about me is not authentically right. black. Mm. You know, um, but again, that sort of self pity can also come from a very self serving mm. space. And if you're others oriented, then that won't weigh you down. There's so much work to be done right um you know i think of like a, a similar situation of like uh i used to do we did some stuff with like habitat for humanity and you come and you're like house looks pretty much uh almost there to me the whole structure's there it's like no you don't understand how much more tedious work there is to right, be done. Just right. it looks like like there's so much been done without you yeah it doesn't mean that there's not adequate room there's always going to be room right um i think of it like in in deuter in, in deuteronomy 15 like um god says that there shall be no poor among you mm. and or there will be no poor among you and we kind of feel like you can feel like there's nothing to be done but then god also says there will always be poor among you right and i feel like that can be said about many of the ills of our society, like yeah. the people that have come before you have been fighting to the point that there will be no injustice among you. And yeah. yet, if fighting against injustice is your job, yeah. you will never be unemployed. You'll never be without Not in this life. Right, yeah. So there's yeah. still plenty to be done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only time that you should be concerned about, yo, am I late to the party? Uh, is if the party's getting ready to be done, right? If the yeah. party's done at, midnight and it's 11 30 and you still haven't picked out what you're gonna wear yeah don't bother getting dressed right but as far as this party in terms of the injustices that have already been done um we have a long way to go yeah this party's not going to be done anytime soon and i think we need as many people as possible like you said i think to get their eyes off of themselves and you know, that includes me, you know, somebody that that is a pastor and a leader and has been in rooms with relationships and people that could have brought a change just to think about how often I've like, yeah, like part of, I think, what's led to just the, the downness of these past few months is have felt like, man, if I wasted time, like look at all the opportunities that I could have said something or said the right thing or said more of the right thing. And it's just, yeah, man, I could drown in that. Or I could just say, you know what? Uh, regardless of how far we've come, I think this party's just getting started. And yeah. so, yeah. It is. Yeah. Ain't no party like that. <laughs> social justice party because the social justice party don't stop. That's it. Yeah. Joe, thanks, brother. Yo, uh, thank y'all for tuning in to the first episode of Four in the Morning. Um, yeah. If you want to hear more from Joe, 
you can follow him on IG, Twitter at What Is Joe Doing. Um, you can hear more from him on his podcast, Flights and Feelings. Wherever you find your podcast, uh, good way to tune in. He always has good stuff. His stuff is well produced. Uh, so thanks for all the love and support so far. So uh, yeah, if you like what you heard, like, subscribe, leave a rating, all of that stuff. Uh, and I'll see y'all next week. Peace.